Thriving in today's fast-paced world of change and disruption requires innovation. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that explores the ins and outs of innovation with raw stories, real insights, and practical advice from the best and brightest in the world of startups and innovation. Each week, we'll bring you the latest ideas in lean startup, design thinking, corporate venture capital, and more. Now, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Josh here. We're excited to bring you another great episode. Following up from last week's episode, uh, where we had the co-leaders of the Seed Sumo Accelerator, Brian Bolte and Steve Tinkle, uh, we also took a little bit of time after that interview to step into a conversation on growth hacking. And so I think you'll really enjoy that. But before we get into some of the great comments that, that Brian and Steve shared with Growth Hacking, we had a special guest that we wanted to bring into the podcast. Uh, Sean Shepard uh, has spent a lifetime devoted to helping organizations uh, think about the growth and marketing uh, He's involved with a number of different entities, and he'll do a way better job of giving an intro of himself than I ever would. So we'd like to welcome uh, Sean to the show and uh, just talk a little bit more about growth hacking and some of the things he's doing at GrowthX uh, out in the Valley. So uh, welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks, Josh. Pleasure to be here. Brian, you're here with us too? I am here as well. Thanks, Josh. You always do a great job I with try. the intro. I, I try to turn down my radio voice no, sometimes. No, I turn it up. I, I've been told by my wife to tune it up. Tune, tune up tune to the, up. the yeah, radio i got to match voice. your excitement. <laughs> <laughs> it. it all comes back to when I worked at Hy-Vee. It was the, it was the over the air. I used to welcome Ivy shoppers. <laughs> We've got a great deal on ribeye in aisle four. So. <laughs> you have to channel your inner Jim Nance. There we go. We could do that. We could do that. <laughs> Sean, uh, give a little bit of an intro to yourself. Uh, Sean Shepard, uh, founding partner at GrowthX. We're a $50 million seed stage fund that's focused on investing in companies with early customers and early revenue who have a real need to grow in that space. We also have our own market development accelerator, which unlike traditional accelerators, which are all wonderful and should exist, that are focused on developing product and raising money, we're focused on marketing product and making money. And more recently, we've launched GrowthX Academy, which is designed to train amazing, smart, non-technical talent that wants to work in tech and fields such as sales, growth marketing, and product design. Cool. So, so we'll hit we'll hit on the GrowthX Academy stuff in a moment. Uh, first off, knowing that our audience are typically corporate innovators, you know, people are trying to figure out how to innovate internally or how to work with startups. Uh, one of the things that we hear often is as they're approaching startups, uh, they wish sometimes they did have more traction or they wish they did have more growth, um, or they internally with their teams they might have a great idea, but then all of a sudden they can't sell it. You know, if we of course this is an amazing thing that the market needs, but we can't get it done. What, what, what does a market accelerator do and how could it help corporate innovators? Uh, a market accelerator is designed to efficiently learn what the market wants based on what you hypothesize to that market. So what a corporate innovator can learn and how they can position this better internally is to, cl- is to, is to simply state that uh, the intent, I believe the intent of internal corporate innovation is to maintain uh, competitive advantage in their market. Mm-hmm. So what they should be doing, in my view, is sourcing uh, startups and products and technologies and amazing smart people who build it 
that can help them continue to create or maintain a competitive advantage in their market. Because in this day and age, we don't know what our customers are going to want five years from now. Yeah. And there's a lot of great innovation that's happening in the marketplace. And uh, what they should be doing is keeping their eyes and ears open uh, for deal flow. Mm. In other words, what great startups exist out there, what, who's innovating well in our space, mm-hmm. and how can we either partner with them or learn from them or eventually potentially acquire them to help maintain the competitive advantage that we have in our marketplace. Yeah, I think one of the other big advantages to, for corporations to start looking at startups is, is both from the talent perspective and just from the how do new ideas form in that and what are the techniques and tools that are out there. I think a lot of corporations have this mindset of what they've done in the past or they have to build it themselves internally where there's a whole new world of new things out there that, that and it's exponentially changing so fast so you not having an opportunity to look at these startups uh, really puts you at a disadvantage if you're not looking at the new tools the new techniques the new ways that people are launching and building products uh, I think puts a corporation at a, a disadvantage if they if they're not externally driven from that perspective I completely agree I don't think anybody wants to be the next yellow cap yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't think anybody in the market intends and sets out to say, I'm going to ignore <laughs> the market mm-hmm. and how the market responds to new technologies mm-hmm. uh, and then wait until it's too late and then go complain to my congressman that yeah. I have competition. Sure, sure. Uh, but that the reality is, is that in this day and age of applied technology, which is our argument, um, things move so quickly that you don't even have a, a, a chance. We mm-hmm. were just laughing about Pokemon Go mm-hmm. is now the latest and greatest and hottest thing of mobile apps and gaming. Yeah. And it's been around for two weeks and it has hundreds of millions of users. Yeah, more active users than Twitter. Or yes, yeah. more, <laughs> more active users than Twitter and it just started. Yeah. And I think, oh, by the way, it's not even a Pokemon approved really? built game. Maybe it is. I don't know. My 13-year-old son is giving me all the information <laughs> in real time as we speak. I'm not sure. Um, but the point is is that, is that um, this stuff moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Internal bureaucracies and companies uh, don't necessarily have an opportunity to respond and react. So sure. having access to free-range organic... <laughs> <laughs> Chicken <laughs> uh, might be a little different than the process stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, hitting back on something that you both said around launching a new idea and market development, uh, part of the things that we're getting questioned on from corporate innovation teams is so I've got an idea, now how do I scale it? How do I grow it? Uh, thinking about growth experimentation, growth hacking, we're hearing about. I know you're a pro in this area, Sean. Could you just give a 101 tutorial on what this is and, and maybe even what some of the skills or tactics are that people are learning in this area? Sure. Um, actually, it goes back to the fundamentals that we've all learned when we were younger about the idea of the scientific method. As I mentioned earlier, uh, a new company is just a new product. Mm-hmm. And because most new companies don't have the resources, they have limited resources, if they're smart about it, 
uh, they rapidly develop and iterate using a lean methodology. We mm -hmm. all heard of lean manufacturing and, mm -hmm. and W. Edwards Deming and, and Kaizen and, and now in the manufacturing learning curve, which is now being applied to software in the form of Steve Blank and Eric Reese and Lean Startup. But the whole idea is let's talk to the market before we go really do anything. So back to the original point. A new company is just a new product. If you have a new product idea, if you have a new application coming out of your large corporation, mm -hmm. it would behoove you to behave in the same way. And that means develop a hypothesis, test that hypothesis, collect the feedback on that hypothesis. If it works, great. If it doesn't, iterate until it does. And if it still doesn't, then there's not a market for that genuine hypothesis. Yep. Not for the product necessarily, mm -hmm. but for that hypothesis. And you need to move quickly. Yeah. So, so I hear more and more people adopting that already on the product side of things. I think that was the, one of the first to adopt lean. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it was more hardware first, right? right? And, yep. then, and then software in terms of lean startup. But what a little bit of what you bring to the table, and Sean Ellis and others, is around how you apply that same scientific methodology and, and that process to marketing ideas, right, and sales? Yes, and it really comes down to behaviors more than it does knowledge and skills. And by that I mean you create this iterative live product market feedback loop. Mm. And there are certain people that have to be responsible for each aspect of that. So you've got a product, I'm the market guy, my responsibility is to take your product, Josh, and go talk to some people in the market, yep. conduct real customer discovery sessions. Who's my customer? Where are they? How do I find them? How would I talk to them in a way that would get them interested in sharing information with me about mm -hmm. whether or not this would be a thing for them? Right, not not, selling. not yeah. selling, but seeking fit. Yep. And then using those opportunities in a constructive way uh, to collect the data that you need to determine whether or not there's worth in pursuing the development or the application of your product into that given market. And no is the second best answer. Mm -hmm. And get to it as quickly as you can. Our objective and what we try to teach our companies that we fund is one, you need to culturally uh, tr turn yourself into a functional learning organization where everybody's on board with this idea. And then two, can you create a business model out of it? Is there a repeatable, scalable unit economic that says somebody will pay me more for it over time than it yeah. costs me to get them to buy it? Yeah. And if you can do that, and you can do that in, a, in, a, in, a, um, in an efficient way, then you actually, you know, you might have a thing. Well, mm -hmm. and on the efficiency front, I mean, I think a lot of folks don't truly understand the the changes that have happened in the marketplace with regard to efficiency. I mean, it used to be you had to have a million dollar ad budget to actually get in front of people. Now you can do that through a variety of sources, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, uh, social media, etc., uh, and iterate and build and move faster with actual real customers than you ever had in the past. Yeah, as, as uh, back to the original point that you raised, Josh, which is um, how do we get to these people? How do we market this in a way that creates a data-driven feedback loop. Depends on the product. You mentioned hardware. Hardware is much easier to do this on than software. Why? Because it's tangible. This microphone that we're talking into, mm -hmm. if it doesn't work as a prototype, I'm not gonna mass produce 10,000 units. Yeah. But with software, we do it all day long. We build incomplete products, we sell vision against reality, and then we're shocked when people are disappointed mm -hmm. uh, in, the, in the results. 
Mm-hmm. And then we're even more shocked when we actually have to provide human service to support it. <laughs> um, and, and that because we sold our investors on something else yeah. or we sold oh, yeah. the idea to somebody else that this is how this would work. Um, so that's, you know, that's, 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 that's a challenge. Now, when you're talking about digital customer acquisition or touchless mm-hmm. online self-service conversion, the, the feedback loop is real time mm-hmm. and you should be paying attention to it and you should be investing in someone uh, who can uh, focus on collecting that data. Yeah. When it's business to business and it's more human interaction to collect that feedback, um, it's a little squishier. You have to have the right kind of person no, absolutely. in that role. Well, and, and I think those skills are few and far between, right? To be able to do those sorts of things. And I think that's what excites me about what you're doing with GrowthX Academy is uh, we've all heard and seen the code schools that are ramping up to fulfill the need there. But some of the things that you guys are talking about training hit at some of these great new skills that are absolutely the things that future corporations and startups need to have, right? Yeah. If institutional education would do this, we wouldn't have to. It comes back to the age of applied technology, which um, uh, Brian alluded to in terms of the fact that um, we don't... uh, Developing technology today is a lot cheaper and easier than it ever used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting to a, a product to market, especially in the age of applied technology, is faster and cheaper and easier than actually getting traction in the marketplace. Right. Mm. And if you agree with that, you believe that, and, and we talked about this earlier, the first company I raised money for, we had to raise $8.3 million just to get an MVP to market. Yep. I could build that same technology today, 15, 16 years later, for two to 300000 Wow. Because all the infrastructure exists. Yep. Right. Right? Absolutely. Oh, so and the channels are there too. Yeah, exactly. And I bet that Pokemon Go game costs next to nothing to get to market, uh-huh. right? Maybe a few hundred grand. Who knows? But the reality is, is how, how, how much money would, would advertisers spend to acquire hundreds of millions of users, um, and could they do it in two weeks? Yeah, right. No, they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, not without a Super Bowl commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But that's, that's, the, that's the age in which we live. So in that era, the market developer is just as important as the product developer. And that's our argument. And what we see every day when we help companies grow is that there's a lack, there's a dearth of talent Mm -hmm. that knows how to help them effectively get a product to market and get to the truth as quickly as possible. And as a result, we've decided that we need to help develop that talent. Whether it works in companies in our portfolio or not, it should exist in the startup ecosystem. It should exist in corporations and their innovation teams. It should exist when you're testing new products in new markets. There are attributes of humans, like can you embrace ambiguity? Can you effectively communicate across teams? Can you talk to humans and engineers? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, All those things, right? And can you effectively measure that in an analog way, Mm. which isn't as easy as when you're looking at a microphone and saying this either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot more nuance in understanding people. With that. Yeah, and, 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 and there are people you can support that, it with digital feedback loops, as you said, but there's still a lot of processing that needs to happen. Yeah, and even more importantly than that, do you have a passion for that? Yeah. Does that lack of, of structure and support and, and the ambiguity and the unknown and the risk, does that frustrate you mm-hmm. right. or motivate you? Because if it frustrates you, you need to get the hell out. Right. This, this is not a fit for you. Sure. You go back to a big company in a cube and whatever. Okay. And if you're in a corporate innovation team who's frustrated by that internally, I respect it and understand it. 
all the more reason why you need to outsource some of the innovation to bubble up to the surface the things that actually can create a competitive advantage for your company. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about the, the nuts and bolts of Growth X Academy. Sure. Uh, you're, you're launching it soon? Yes, right? uh, July next week, next Monday. Okay. Uh, here I am in, 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 in beautiful Lincoln, Nebraska, and I should be in San Francisco, and I'm not. <laughs> and we thank you for that. Well, <laughs> anything for a friend, brother. Um, and uh, But the point is, yes, so we will have three tracks. It's a 12-week full immersion program, dawn till dusk, 24-7, essentially. You need to dedicate your life to this if this is what you want to do. All in. But yeah, exactly. All it takes is whatever it takes, Brian, right? <laughs> um, so 12 weeks, there are three tracks. Sales and business development, of which I'm the lead instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a growth hacking, growth marketing track, of which Will Bunker, one of my found, one of my partners, who was a founder of, of Match.com, um, who built his entire business through growth hacking. He's, they call him an OG, original gangster growth <laughs> hacker. Um, uh, and then, um, and then uh, UX uh, and product design, which are all market side of the lean canvas roles, sure. which are designed to be strong partners to the product developers. Mm-hmm. And for 12 weeks, they'll spend all of their time getting leveled up on all the business and market acumen, all the functional skills, the behaviors, have access to a strong group of mentors, and a bevy of companies. Um, whether they're in our portfolio or in our community generally or just in the valley. So they'll be doing projects and work on those things. It's not just classroom. Correct. 12 weeks, eight weeks of which are going to be working on a real project with a real company, building a real portfolio, Mm -hmm. and you have a story to go with it. And you'll figure out not just what you're good at, but what you love to do, the kind of people you want to do it with, and where you want to do it. And you'll have clarity on all of that. And uh, it includes the most important aspect of all of this, which is we believe there's no distinction between personal and professional development when you're in a human-centered role. Mm-hmm. So there's a personal development coach and a career coach that are hmm. exclusively focused on making sure that you're doing, that you connect your passions with your with your profession. Well, the soft skills are, are almost more important than the technical skills. I, a lot of times. I, I, yeah, Brian, you know, I love you, but I take umbrage to the entire word soft mm-hmm. in this. I think these are the, yeah. these are the hardest skills to learn. So yeah. why are they called soft skills? <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough, I agree. Excellent. Sean, if anybody wants to learn more about Growth X or you or Pokemon from your 13-year-old <laughs> son, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, I said a lure over it. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the fact that you even know what that is. I just that learned it. Astounds me. I just <laughs> learned it. I just learned it, right? You, I'm a lifelong learner. you got to pick this stuff up. That's how it works. Uh, no, honestly, uh, growthx.com, they can learn any and everything they would like to know about us. They can uh, follow me and, at, at Sean A. Shepard on Twitter um, or, um, or reach out to us through hello at growthx.com, whether they're a founder, a funder, or amazing talent that wants to work in startups that doesn't want to code. Uh, we're all there, and I hope one day we'll be here in Lincoln with you guys. Absolutely. Sounds great. Thanks very much for being out here. Thanks for coming, Sean. Thanks for having me. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit and go back to our interview with Steve and Brian from Seed Sumo to talk more about growth hacking. You know, what have they seen? with regards to an accelerator and what some of the growth hacks that they've used or seen people use and, and how that's playing out.
there's not only a lot that probably can be learned from product development and how to apply lean startup methods to iterate through product testing maybe faster, but once you have a product, you're just sitting on that other element that I don't think corporate innovation teams understand very much of, which is growth hacking, right? Could you unpack what growth hacking is a little bit more and why that needs to be a valuable tool set in, in kind of uh, more innovative uh, product teams? Absolutely. So, you know, kind of growth hacking has kind of evolved over the, the last few years. And, you know, we go to all the conferences and we've just seen so much success with it from product to product and, and startup to startup that we, we really have, have drank the Kool-Aid. Right. But it basically comes down to this. Uh, you know, every business can every business has a funnel. Uh, you know, top of the funnel stuff is basically eyeballs on your product or your your service or whatever your your company does um and the bottom line is as you move people down the funnel to revenue or referral uh you know the amount of experiments that you try per week or per month um have a direct correlation to the growth of your company mm-hmm. what's an example of an experiment what we for our listeners yeah it can be super simple it can be something as much as, uh, you know, we've seen examples where a, let's say you have a website and there's a video on there that explains your product or service. Where do you put the button that says, I'm interested? Mm-hmm. You put it on the bottom, on the right, or on the top. Well, does it say, does it say I'm interested? Or, or does, does it, it say, damn, I want one? Yeah. Or, you know, give me one now or I'll take $5 off. You know, the color of the button, the position of the button, it seems like a simple thing. But, you know, some of the A-B tests show that putting the button on top of the video, which to me is counterintuitive, actually can convert higher. Well, mm-hmm. financially, what does that mean and its impact? And I think at the core of it, you know, Brian really hit a strong point. To me, growth hacking is a couple of things, but I think it implies it's a lack of arrogance that says, I know what's going to work. Mm-hmm. The reality is we don't know what's going to work, so why don't we just go test it and find out? Uh, sometimes things that you don't think will work will actually perform well, but if you're not testing, you're not going to know. And when you commit to the mindset of putting your ideas to the test, measuring what works, do more of what does, less of what doesn't, it doesn't matter whether your team is brilliant or not. Those ideas and that iterative testing will naturally cause you to improve. And I think one more just key principle to growth hacking. So if you're if you're constantly testing five, our goal is usually as close to 10 experiments a week as we can get. Um, if, so if you're, if you're testing 10 things a week um, and everyone in the entire company can put ideas in the pot, then you're kind of, you have a really good system um, that gets everyone in the entire organization, even down to the janitor, mm-hmm. uh, throwing ideas that might work and just throw them on the hopper. And there's a, there's methods to prioritize them and which part of the funnel they're going to affect. But that's kind of the basics of, of yeah. growth hacking. Wait, what I liked that you, that you hit there is that it can be something very simple, especially if you're trying to think of what's something that we can see results in in this in, in shorter time as a week. It, it almost has to be kind of simple, right, to be able to see if it modifies it. Uh, there, there's a strong data analytics component, a component to this as well, right, because you have to not just make the changes, but you actually have to be able to go back and prove that the change did better or worse than either your hypothesis or what you had before. Exactly. Right. I mean, you want to avoid multivariant testing, of course, but, you know, experiment could be as simple as a color position of a button. It could be a different channel that you're testing. But at the core of growth hacking to me is that marketing is now being held accountable for growth as opposed to being tasked with awareness 
It's being able to measure an improvement of the effectiveness of marketing, which means you, you may have to use new techniques. And a lot of those will be rooted in analytical measurements so that you can evaluate whether it works or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If somebody wants to learn more about growth hacking, uh, especially in the corporate environment, uh, what are some of the resources that you recommend? So I think kind of the guy that we always kind of go to or point to is Sean Ellis, um, who helped you know, with Dropbox and uh, about 20 other companies that, that have had, you know, over 100 million valuations. Uh, you know, he, he's, he preaches this stuff all, all around the nation. Uh, what are some other ones? There's so many. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, just go to growthhackers.com. I think they have uh, a lot of different growth stories that you can read up on and kind of dive in on. Cool. Anything else, guys? That's it, Josh. Thanks for uh, having us on. Cool. We'll uh, be in touch. And that does it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Special thanks to our guests and sponsors and everyone who makes this podcast possible. Uh, please let us know what you think. Uh, head over to iTunes, give us a review, uh, drop us a note at the IO podcast on Twitter. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And in between then, go out and innovate.